I want you to turn with me, if you have a Bible or New Testament, to the Gospel according to Luke and chapter 23. The Gospel by Luke and chapter 23. It is indeed a joy and an honor to be with you here at the conference in Midland Park. I've never been here before. It's nice to be with the saints. You've made us feel very welcome. And I do trust that as we look at God's word this evening, that God will speak to hearts and bless for eternity. Luke chapter 23, and we read please, first of all, from verse number 32. Luke 23, 32. And there were also two other malefactors led with him to be put to death. And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him and the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his garments and cast lots. Down to verse number 39. And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. And it was about the sixth hour, and there was a darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. And the sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was rent in the midst. And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. Now that's all we read from this most precious passage from the Word of God. First of all, I'm very conscious that there are a lot of people have been sitting here since 10 o'clock this morning. And that maybe doesn't do the posture too much good. So I promise you that I will not keep you long in the Gospel meeting this evening. I'll say what I have to say and we'll close the meeting and you'll be able to go home. I'm also conscious that there are others who have driven long journeys today and so on, so I will not prolong the meeting longer than is necessary. It would be fair to say that you and I live in a world of tremendous uncertainty. There's not one of us have any certainty what a day will bring forth. Indeed, as you and I look at the world all around us, it is full of uncertainty, politically, financially, Economically, we find that things are in a dreadful mess. 
And yet with all, when we come to the things of Scripture, isn't it nice to find that it rings with just tremendous certainty. That somebody can stand here before you this evening and with absolute confidence, with all the certainty and authority of the Word of God, that they can tell you that there is salvation for you for eternity. That's wonderful. There are people and they can't promise you certainty in relation to health. They would be foolish if they did. There are people and they can't promise you certainty in relation to your financial future. They can't even promise you certainty in relation to safety on the roads on the way home. And yet with all, it's just wonderful to be able to lift the page of Holy Scripture and to tell men and women and boys and girls with absolute certainty that there's a God in heaven who loves them. There's a Christ who died and rose again that they might be saved and that there's salvation freely available through faith in him for eternity. What I want to do this evening is I want to look at this most memorable day in the history of this world. Our brother Higgins already referred to it this morning. In fact, he referred to what we're going to talk about this man. And I want to look at one man on this day and some of the things that he was absolutely certain about. There are lots of very interesting characters on this one day. We didn't read, if we read another verse, we would have read of the centurion, the man who was charged with putting to death of the Saviour. We read in this about Pilate. We read about the disciples. We read about the Jewish nation. And there are lots of people that appear on the page of this very momentous day. But I just want to lift one in particular. And that is the man that we often call the dying thief. We don't know his name. It doesn't really matter, you know. But there are some things about this man that he was absolutely sure of. You couldn't have argued him out of it. And my dear friend in the meeting this evening, if you were sure of those same things, you would be blessed for God's eternity. The first thing that lies on the surface of it is that <clears throat> here is a man and he was absolutely certain that he was going to enter eternity. You, you couldn't have argued him out of it. In fact, you'd have been foolish to try. You wouldn't, shouldn't have gone along to that man. You could have said to him, look, sir, don't you really worry about the fact that you're on a cross? You could live a long while yet, and there's maybe life still to be enjoyed. You know, you'd just be a fool to do that, wouldn't you? Because here's a man, and he's on a cross, and eternity's staring him in the face. And he's absolutely sure that soon he's going to be in eternity. Notice what I said. Not sure that he's just going to die. But he's absolutely sure that he's going to be in eternity. You know, there's one thing that everybody in this meeting this evening, in this auditorium this evening, can be certain about. That in the not-too-distant future, every one of us will be in eternity. Maybe some of us sooner than we think 
because there's not one of us have a lease on Lord's Day morning. Of those of us who have travelled across the sea to be here, we have no certainty that we'll ever get back home to the shores of the UK. There's not one here as as any guarantee beyond the moment that they sit on time. Because at the end of each of our journeys, whether it be long or short, you and I have got to face eternity. And that's really what makes this message so important. That's what elevates what we speak about from just being theory to being something real. From just being about theology to being about salvation. From just being something that we enjoy to being something that is absolutely essential. And here's this dear man as he's hanging upon a cross, no doubt in agony, no doubt in shame. Because the Bible says, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Here's something that he's absolutely sure of. I'm heading into God's eternity. I want to stop for a moment. You might think this is very basic, but I want to ask each one in the auditorium tonight, As you look forward into eternity, how is it with you? You say, I've been brought up in the Sunday school. I've learned the word of God. That's good. But as you sit here tonight, right now in the seat where you are, as you look forward into eternity, as no doubt this man had started to do, how is it with you? Are your sins forgiven? Are you sure that all is well if you were to close your eyes to this world and waken up in God's eternity? That your soul is saved? That your sins are forgiven? That you're sure of heaven? Mind you, this is not vague. This is something we've got to be certain about. The very first thing we learn from this man is that he was absolutely sure he was heading to eternity. There's something else that I think is very important. This is a man, and he's he's absolutely certain that he's guilty as a sinner. There'd be no good you going along to that man and saying, look, it's it's not really fair that you're up there on the cross. It's really rather harsh that they've picked upon you like this. And really what you did really wasn't that bad that it deserves what's happened to you now. No, here's a man. In fact, from his own lips, he only speaks about 40 words if you use it in the English language altogether. That's all he speaks of in Scripture. He says, we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. Here's a man, and he's absolutely certain that he's a guilty man. You know... I believe one of the hardest lessons for a soul to learn is that I'm a sinner in the sight of God. We we learned it in Sunday school, didn't we? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. But I wonder, you know, our brother Gillian was talking about stuff reaching her head and then reaching her heart. I wonder if that which we have got in our head has ever given us any trouble in our heart. I wonder if we've ever felt the weight of that certainty within. My dear boy and girl, it's one thing to learn the scriptures. It's another thing for those scriptures to take a hold of your soul. 
And here's a man, and he's absolutely certain, not only am I heading into eternity, but I'm a guilty man. I have sinned. And the situation I find myself in is just exactly what I deserve. You could never have argued it out of it. You could never have tried to evoke from him some sense of pity. Now here's a man, and he's fully acquainted with the fact that I'm guilty person. You know, it'll be a great meeting tonight. And it would be a finish to this day of the conference if someone would just take home to their soul that one vital certainty about themselves. That as a God of heaven sees me, he sees me as a sinner, guilty in his sight. You know, my dear friend, it's very important to learn that. We sometimes think, I didn't become a sinner when I first lost my temper, nor you either. Nor did I first become a sinner when I told my first lie. Nor did I become a sinner when I first took that which wasn't mine. No, those are just visible manifestations of what I was from birth. Because the Bible shows us very clear that in our very nature we're sinful. We all go astray as soon as we are born, speaking lies. What's happening in our life from the very earliest? We have worked out in practice what we are by nature, and that is sinners guilty in the sight of God. Oh, it would be a great night tonight if someone would just take that certainty to themselves. Yes, indeed, God's word is true. I am a sinner, and I am guilty in the sight of God. There was another certainty that this man reveals in his sayings. He was absolutely certain that the punishment he was receiving was just what he deserved. He says, we indeed justly, for we receive the true reward of our deeds. Here's a man He's been guilty. He's been apprehended. He's been tried. And he's been sentenced. And now the sentence has been carried out. And he just has to acknowledge. And mind you, he does it willingly. It didn't have to be dragged out of him. He acknowledged with absolute certainty What's happening to me is just exactly what I deserved. You know, sometimes things happen to us that we don't deserve. But there's one thing every single person in this auditorium tonight did deserve. And that is the judgment of God for our sin. For all eternity. For it's one thing for you and I to realize I'm a sinner in the sight of God. And my sin has separated me from God. But it's an altogether more sobering thing to realize that God has to deal with my sin. He cannot pretend it never happened. He cannot ignore it as insignificant. He cannot treat it as a light thing that doesn't really matter. No, God in his righteousness has to deal with sin. Your sin, my sin... 
I say it often back home, you know, and I, I really feel sometimes the weight of it, and other times I'd love to feel the weight more. There's never one sin ever committed by anybody at any time but will come in for the righteous judgment of God. Have you got that? Do you think those men who caused such catastrophe in September the 11th, 2001 will never have to meet their crimes again? No, God in his holiness must punish all sin. Do you think the Pol Pot regime in Cambodia who murdered is at over two million souls in what became known as the killing fields that they would just die never have to face their sin again? No, my dear friend, God in his righteousness must punish all sin. Do you think going back to the Second World War that most of us don't remember weren't even around? That those men who conspired and slew millions, many of them Jews, that they can just take a cyanide tablet and finish their life here and go into eternity and never face their guilt again? No, my dear friend, God in his righteousness must punish all sin. I want to bring it closer. Do you think that you can live your life Close your eyes in death. Go out into God's eternity and never have to face God's justice for your sin. I want you to be absolutely certain about this. God is holy. God must punish all sin. And if your sins are not cleansed and forgiven through Christ as your Savior, God will punish you for your sin, for all eternity. Be absolutely certain of it. You're heading to eternity. Be absolutely certain of it. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Be absolutely certain of it. God in his righteousness must punish sin. This man learned all those three lessons. I'm not certain about it. But then there's something really nice about this man. He was absolutely certain that the man upon the cross beside him was completely different. Indeed, when the one who was on the furthest cross away began to rail upon Christ, this man that we're speaking about, he pulled him up short. He says, Dost thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? Have ye no fear of God? He was very quick to rebuke the other man. But listen to his testimony of the one who was upon the center cross. He says, this man hath done nothing amiss. And as we were drawing our attention this morning to this very passage, isn't it wonderful just to see that in the few words that we have lying on the page of Holy Scripture, just how much this man grasped about the one who was upon the center cross at Calvary. Oh, he recognized him as the king. He recognized him as the Messiah of Israel. The one who was promised to come and sit upon the throne of his father David. 
He recognized that when he was dying upon the cross at Calvary, that he was one who was sinless. He was there not for his own sin. He recognized that while he was dying upon the cross, that death for him was not the end. And that death for him would in no way prevent the kingdom happening. Here's a man, and he recognizes in an absolutely certain that the man who's dying upon the cross at Calvary is the very one who can meet his own need. Do you know it's true today? The one that we present to you in the gospel, the one who hung in shame and agony and suffering upon the cross at Calvary, is the one who Paul tells us came into the world to save sinners. He's the one who came to die that sinners might have everlasting life. He's the one who suffered the judgment of God upon the cross so that sinners might not perish, might know the forgiveness of sins, might be saved from the very judgment that they deserve for their sins for all eternity. He's the one who not only died upon the cross for sin, but the one who was raised in mighty power. Death couldn't keep him. Death could only claim those who were subject to sin. Here was one who was absolutely sinless, and he entered into death, not that he might succumb to it, but that he might bear the penalty of sin, but that he might emerge triumphant over it. A conqueror and a saviour. And this one who died upon the cross, God's sinless holy son, he came, he lived, he died, he bore the judgment of God for sin. He raised again, was raised again in mighty power. And tonight in September 2014, he's sitting exalted at God's right hand, a prince and a saviour. He is going to sit upon the throne of his father David. He is going to reign in righteousness. He is going to establish the kingdom that this man recognised. And when man put him upon the cross, the one who died upon the cross is still going to reign. What a, what a certainty this man had. What an appreciation of the person of Christ he had. You know the best thing of all? He appreciated that the person of Christ was the very one who could meet his need in salvation. I wonder, my dear friend, this evening... What's your appreciation of the Lord Jesus Christ? His sinlessness is absolutely pure. The reason why he came, that you might be saved for eternity. The purpose of the suffering and death upon the cross at Calvary, bearing sin, and it's awful wrath and judgment and penalty so that sinners might not bear God's judgment for all eternity. What's your appreciation of the person of Christ? The one who died upon the cross yet rose again in mighty power. And as the apostle preached him in 1 Corinthians, he preached, Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and was buried and raised again the third day according to the scriptures. And it was that very message and that very person that the Corinthians put their trust in for salvation. Here's this man, and he's reveling in this. You can make him almost say he's, he's absolutely full of appreciation that this one who died upon the cross, he's the Messiah, the sinless one. 
And while he's on the cross, that is not the end, that he's one who's still going to reign in his kingdom. But very importantly, there's one thing that this man was also certain about. And it was this, that if I trust in him, if I cast myself upon him for mercy, that's really what I need for eternity. Going out into eternity, it didn't really matter just how much he knew about the Messiahship of Christ and all those different details. What really mattered to him was, can I depend upon him for salvation? Do you know there are many folk They've heard the gospel that they're sinners in God's sight. They've heard the message of the gospel that God must punish sin, and he will. They've heard the wonderful message that God loves them and wants to save them, and that Christ has died upon the cross, that they might not perish but have everlasting life. And maybe there are many here tonight and you're just like that. But you've never yourself with absolute certainty just put your trust in Christ for that very salvation that you can have for eternity. Here's a man and in all his need. Eternity staring him in the face. Feeling a sense of guilt and the righteous judgment that he has come into. He just unreservedly casts himself upon the mercy of Christ. A Christ who was dying upon the cross a Christ who would be raised again, a Christ who would be a king reigning in his kingdom. He absolutely puts his trust in him for his salvation. Is that too simple for you? To put your trust in Christ for salvation, for eternity? The one who not only died for sin upon the cross, but is now raised a living Savior. You see, you can't put your trust in someone to do something for you if they're not alive. You can't rely upon someone dead to save you. No, no, here's a man and he's putting his trust in someone who is alive to meet his need. In our meeting this evening, I want you to understand that the one that we present to you in the gospel is not only one who has died for sin and purchased salvation, but one who is alive and is able to save all who will trust him with their soul for salvation for eternity. And here's this man. And he's absolutely certain that if he trusts Christ, that Christ will remember him. It didn't depend upon the man now. His salvation wasn't depending upon any goodness of himself. It wasn't depending upon the strength of his faith. It wasn't depending upon any works he could do or any great prayers he could muster. No, his salvation was depending entirely upon another. And so unreservedly he puts his trust in Christ that he might be remembered or saved by him. We're not told how long he lived. We do know that the soldiers came and they break his legs to hasten his death. 
But there's one thing about that man. That as he waited in the hours of suffering for his moment to depart into eternity to take place, that he was saved, secure. Why? Because he had the word of Christ for it. Listen to the words he heard back, how they must have thrilled his soul. How they must have filled him with confidence and calmness as he faced that dreadful journey into eternity. Today, shalt thou be with me in paradise. Great certainty to have, isn't it? You know, God's salvation isn't vague. God's salvation isn't something that's full of ifs and buts and maybes. It's not full of uncertainty. It's not something that we can ponder about and maybe and wishful thinking. Now here's a man and he's now facing eternity. And instead of facing eternity in fear, he faces it with absolute confidence. Why? He's the word of Christ to guarantee him that today he would be with him in paradise. You could go home from this conference tonight Knowing that all is well for eternity, not wondering. Knowing that your sins are forgiven, that which is separated between you and God, and that will bring you under judgment for all eternity. Knowing that whether your journey on life be long or short, that when the end finally comes, all is well for the great eternity. That certainty can be yours tonight. Not because of any effort of yours. Not because of how well you know the scriptures, if well at all you do. Not because of any effort or any religious practice of your own. But by putting your trust solely upon one who died upon the cross for sinners. And resting upon him for forgiveness and salvation. He was the one himself who said, him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out and resting your all upon him for salvation, you can know with absolute certainty that whether eternity be long or short, that all is well for eternity. We've gone over the certainties. Where do you stand now? Are you still just living in a vague hope? Are you still just wondering that maybe it'll work out? I want to tell you salvation is not like that. It's something clear. It's something sure. It's something firm. It's something absolutely certain. Certain that I'm a sinner. Certain I deserve God's judgment for eternity. Certain if I die as I am, I'll be under that judgment for eternity. Certain that God in love has given his Son to die upon the cross that I might be saved, might not perish, but have everlasting life. Certain that if I put my trust in him as my saviour, I have his word for it. The Lord Jesus Christ himself said it in John chapter 3. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. 
It'd be a great finish to the day of conference if you were able to go home with that certainty. Saved. Sins forgiven. And all well for God's eternity. Now shall we pray?